Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. Hey, it's Jay Zawoski. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I'll be right with you with the new episode in a matter of moments. But first, I want to let you know about my new Blackhawks book coming out on November 10th. It's called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks, published by Triumph Books. The foreword is written by two-time Stanley Cup champion David Boland. If you're interested in ordering my book, and I would greatly appreciate it if you did, head to bookshop.org or bookiesbookstores.com to support great independent booksellers if you're more of an amazon kind of a person you can get it there too or any major book retailer the name of the book the big 50 the men and moments that made the chicago blackhawks by jay zawoski that's me coming out november 10th from triumph books the madhouse chicago hockey podcast is brought to you by triple threat sports Marishka's in crest hill dr squatch soap company and by fry the coop here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this very special edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay, we have been talking a lot about what the Blackhawks need to do on their NHL roster, but guess what time of year it is? Draft time. It is draft time, baby. The NHL draft is coming up next week. I've been pouring over YouTube videos like the giant slacker that I am. I should have been doing this all summer long when we had no hockey, but I have learned the error of my ways. I have researched and studied and done all sorts of fun stuff, and today... We have Ryan Wagman from McKean's Hockey on to talk with us about this awesome draft that is coming up this week. 
Jay, I was really excited for this conversation. I'm just going to go ahead and assume you were too. Absolutely, I was, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Ryan joins us every year and always does a great job. But when we go back and play the tape back, his picks are always right on it. All right, and, that, uh, and we always sound like dolts. Well, so. that's, a, that's a given. Yeah. As always, you can follow the show on social media. We're on Twitter at MadhousePod. We are on Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. Uh, Facebook, Madhouse Hockey CHI. We have a Patreon at MadhousePod. And if you go to any of our bios, our link tree is there. Speaking of that, uh, the Blackhawks book I wrote, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks, the advanced autographed copies are now available. Go to bit.ly slash book to order yours. 27 bucks gets you the book. Shipped for free. Autograph, personalized, everything you might need. So we accept Venmo, Zelle, PayPal. Check it out. bit.ly slash book. Again, that is in our link tree bio at the top of the page. Our guest today is Ryan Wagman, prospect writer, lead prospect writer. Sorry, Ryan, at McKean's Hockey. Follow him on Twitter at R.A. Wagman. Before we get to the NHL draft, we've got a couple questions about some Blackhawks prospects that are in McKean's prospect publication. And the usual suspects are there. You see uh, Ian Mitchell is number one. Pia Suter is right there. Uh, Wyatt Kalanick is right there. But one name that's number two on the list that I think is maybe not super well-known to all Blackhawks fans, Alec Regula. He was uh, drafted by the Red Wings. The Blackhawks acquired him in the trade for Brendan Perlini. And he's and McKean's guide, the Hawks' number two prospect. Ryan, tell Hawks fans what they could expect from Regula and when he could potentially arrive in the NHL. So Regula is a little bit raw. Um, I, I wouldn't expect him next year. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, he's really just finishing his um, his OHL eligibility now. Um, but he's a physical specimen. He's huge. He's got a right-hand shot, which is always nice. Uh, he's got a very unique skill set. I mean, he's, um, you know, beyond just the size, he moves really, really well. He plays a very powerful game. Um, he, he has impact on both ends of the ice, at least in the OHL. He was very heavily involved in the offensive end. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he scored 27 goals last year, which you don't see from too many defensemen. Um, that said, though, a lot of his goals come on the power play, and he does play in front of the net on the power play, which, again, is kind of weird for defensemen. Um, but he's got that, you know, that, that very versatile type of game. I mean, I'm not saying he is Dustin Bufflin. Uh, nobody is. But there are some of those elements there that he could be that type of guy who you could put up on the wing if you have a need. You could play him on defense if you have a need. He's got a lot of tools. I haven't even put them all together at the same time yet. But if he does, he could be a bit of a monster. Ryan, I know that the one thing I like to do in interviews with guests is I always like to talk about how brilliant and smart that I am. So please indulge me when I say that we're talking about Blackhawks prospects. I do want to ask you about Evan Barrett, who was a guy that always kind of stood out to me when he was in the junior ranks, when he was playing because of his physicality. And he's also a really good shooter. Like I've always really liked his shot. I found it interesting in the McKean's prospect guide that they hit, you guys had discussed uh, potentially moving him to play the wing instead of playing his more natural center position. And I was curious to know from you what uh, characteristics he has that maybe make him a little bit more of a fit as a winger instead of as a center, and then whether or not that could potentially fast track him into the NHL a little bit quicker. Sure, it's a good question. And it's just something I've observed in watching him play a lot over the years whether it was with the program, as you said, or with Penn State. Um, 
you know, he, he plays a center and he does have the intelligence you like as a center, but he's also not, you know, his, uh, his face-off skills, for example, have never been really good. You know, he, he won fewer than 45% of his face-offs in his last year at Penn State. Um, I see a guy, whenever I watch him, he's always been most effective, whether he's along the boards or behind the net, uh, playing in an area that's usually you find the wingers playing in. You know, I see him as a guy who um, who can kind of handle the boards well and then get the puck into a better space, you know, kind of curling off the boards and finding an open man. Um, I, you know, just seeing a player who does better along the flanks, let somebody else kind of handle the face-offs, handle the middle of the ice. Um, but I, I, you know, he could play both, but I think he'd be more effective and more valuable as a winger. All right. Well, Evan Barrett is definitely James's guy. He has been since the Blackhawks drafted him and winning under 45% of your faceoffs, he will fit right in on the Blackhawks. That is a perfect, <laughs> perfect fit. Cause that is, uh, aside from Jonathan Taves, that's par for the course. All right. Before we get to the draft, uh, two more guys I want to ask you about. And both of them are expected to be major contributors for the Blackhawks next season. Number one is the guy you have listed as the Blackhawks number one prospect. I think everybody in the world does. That's defenseman Ian Mitchell. And then the number three overall prospect you have is uh, Swiss import Pia Studer, who is sort of following in the footsteps of Dominic Kubelik. Uh, same league, same sort of a deal. What can Hawks fans expect from those two next season? So I'll start with Suter, and I don't want to sound too much like Pierre Maguire here, but I remember watching him back in his junior days when he <laughs> came over to play in the OHL with Guelph. So he's not, you know, very, he's not um, a rookie in terms of North American hockey. Um, and I remember when I watched him then, you know, when he was like 18, 19 years old, he could fly. He was a small, he was a skinny guy, but he could fly up and down the ice, and he had a big, big shot. And he scored a ton, and he made Guelph an OHL champion. Um, and, and, you know, but then he, he never got drafted and he went back to Switzerland and within a couple of years, he's a leading goal scorer in Switzerland as well. And, you know, watching him, I mean, I, mean, I haven't seen him play as much with Switzerland in Switzerland as I had when he was, um, was, was a teenager, but, you know, he's still, he's a competitive two-way guy. He has great finishing ability. His shot is a big you know, asset to his game, uh, plays with great energy, has pace. He is, you know, he's a puck hound. Um, you know, I, I think if, if uh, the opportunity is there for him in Chicago, and I don't see why not, because he's another guy who, like Barrett, can play both center and on the wing. Um, they should be able to find a spot for him, and I think he can play up or down the lineup. You know, he can play top six and he can play bottom six just because of the way the style of which he plays. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to be a leading goal scorer. I don't. He might not even score as much as Kubalik did, but he will provide offense and he will be um, – you know, functional and valuable on his own end as well. So I think he's going to be a player that uh, Blackhawks fans are going to enjoy watching. With the success he had in the OHL, why do you think he was not drafted? Well, I think the knock on him then, both from, you know, uh, related to his size, was that he did play a little bit on the perimeter. And, I, you know, having watched Guelph a lot, in those years I was living in Ontario and I would go out to Guelph a lot because they do have a lovely rink. Um, but I think... You know, watching him, there was a very strong team. They, they, it was Robbie Fabry was there, um, Jason Dickinson, who you might have seen playing for the Stars in the, uh, the Stanley Cup final, uh, and a number of other very high-end prospects. You know, he wasn't given he his role was to to fly and to to shoot. You know, and and that's what he did. So he didn't really get you know he wasn't mucking around enough. He didn't play a, a quote unquote North American game so much, but it worked. He was successful at what he did. 
and watching him in Switzerland, and again, I didn't see him as much in Switzerland as I did in the OHL, I see a guy who is now more willing to play against, you know, to play in the dirty areas. You know, how much will it work when he's playing with those bigger defenders in the NHL than you get in Switzerland? That's a question that we'll, we'll, you know, get an answer to in the next few months. But I think his style of game can fit well now. And, um, you know, the, the teams who passed up on him a few years ago, that's Chicago's benefit today. As for Mitchell, I love watching Ian Mitchell play hockey. Um, he is, he's a little small, but he's a great puck mover. Um, you know, he's a, he was a minute muncher at Denver, like a top, top university program. Um, you know, even though he's small, he's hard to play against. He's tough in his own zone and he brings it in the offensive end as well. Um, you know, he, he's, he's just nothing about him is flashy. Like he's not, he's not Adam Boquist, different style player altogether, but he does a little bit of everything and everything he does, he does well. So he's, you know, the type of defenseman who can beat you in many ways. And I, you know, whether he's a first pairing or second pairing, um, he's going to be really valuable. And he's going to, I think he's the type of guy who, if he can stay healthy, will have a very long and very successful career in the NHL. Big fan of his game. Just looking at your rankings and seeing guys like Suter ranked so highly and these guys that the Blackhawks have had to bring in on these contracts instead of actually like grabbing them through the draft or through trades. Is this indicative of a system to you that's kind of struggling to generate its own prospects through the draft? Or is there some way that you can make me feel better about this so I don't have to drink heavily while reading this? Not very much. I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's indicative of them not being able to draft. I mean, we've ranked their system kind of middle of the pack in terms of the NHL, and that's because some of their better, younger players we no longer count. Like Kirby Dock is an NHLer, Adam Boakfist is an NHLer, so we're not counting them in our rankings. Um, but Chicago is, is, is you know a team that has they're looking at all the avenues to find talent, and I think that's what you have to do. You know, when when you draft players, once you're outside of the first round it becomes more of a, an uncertainty, right? There's there's less guarantee that a player is going to be a, a high-end impact player. And, you know, Chicago has a deep system, which is to their to their credit. Um, they're not picking up guys off, off the free agent heap because they don't have the, the drafted prospects. They're picking up there because they can, because they're available, because the players, you know, a lot of these players, I'm pretty sure Chicago is not the only team offering them a contract. But they chose Chicago. And, you know, whether it's a guy like Brandon Hagel, who I think will, you know, play a like a you know bottom line role type of thing. Um, Alexander 14 had a little, you know, had some some uh, play when he first signed. I don't know if he's going to be all of that, but, you know, they can get guys who can play. And, you know, sometimes you want to you want to fill a hole today. And that's what you sign a guy like Pius Suter, who can come in right away. And sometimes you want a guy for down the road, like the, the player they signed out of the Czech Republic, uh, Matty Chalupa, who's, who's not that bad either. Although I don't think he's as close to the NHL as, as a PU suitor. And delicious. So I wouldn't look at, at, to answer your question in a roundabout way, I don't look at this as they need to sign these guys because they're not drafting well enough. I look at it as because they are signing these guys because they're good and they're, and they're available and they want to play for Chicago. And that's nothing to be ashamed about. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is always brought to you by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. And, of course, our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, family-owned and operated since 1933. Go get yourself a poor boy. Go get yourself a Yodel Burger, the steaks, the chops, the seafood, the toys, baked potato, the mountain of onion rings. You really cannot go wrong at Marishka's. They are open for dine-in right now. 
So go to marishkas.com, facebook.com slash marishkas. Check those hours, check that availability, and go visit Joe Zadralovich and his family out there in Crest Hill at Marishkas. It is a meal you will never forget and a meal you will crave after you've had it. Marishkas is one of my favorite places in the world. Go visit our friends out there in Crest Hill at Marishkas. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. As always, we're brought to you by our friends at Dr. Squatch Natural Soap Company, the Madhouse Podcast listeners joining Squatch Nation by the day. We get happy emails all the time. So thanks to everyone who's jumped on and joined Squatch Nation. Got my chalky milk brick the other day. Absolutely love it. They are running out of those. It's a limited time. So if you've been waiting to get that chocolate milk scented brick, now is the time to move. Go to drsquatch.com. Enter that promo code MADHOUSE to save 20% on your order. And, of course, help out the podcast. But it's not just the Chalky Milk, the Cool Fresh Aloe, the Cold Brew Cleanse, the Pine Tar, some of my favorites. But you really can't go wrong. If you're confused, if you're overwhelmed, no problem. Take that Squatch quiz at the top right corner of the page. Fill that out. They will uh, they'll direct you to the right products for you. And pro tip, pick up that soap saver. It is going to make your investment in yourself and in your shower last a whole hell of a lot longer. Dr. Squatch. Dot com. Use that promo code MADHOUSE. Our guest today is Ryan Wagman, the lead prospect writer at McKean's Hockey. Follow Ryan on Twitter at R.A. Wagman. It is now time to move the conversation forward into the NHL draft portion with the Blackhawks picking at number 17. Before we get into the Blackhawks, the number one overall pick has pretty much been decided at the draft lottery. They basically put a jersey on him. Alexis Lafreniere, what makes him so special? And if you can compare him to a current NHL player, who would it be? So I'll start with the, the second question. Who do I compare him to? Um, you know, on the one hand, he's unique. You know, he's his own snowflake. He's not, uh, he, you know, he's not a cookie cutter in any sense. But when I watch him. The player who I, you know, who forms in my mind is John Tavares. There are differences, of course. You know, um, uh, Lafreniere is not a center, um, but he is that type of guy who's super strong on the puck, you know, and you can kind of fight him. You know, he, he always comes out with the puck in a, um, I guess, in a board battle. Um, he is the type of guy who makes his line mates better all the time. If we look back at Tavares' career, all these like anonymous players who suddenly became 30 to 40 goal scorers playing with them, P.A. Parenteau and Matt Molson and, and, and others. And if you look at Lafreniere's career, and so far, I mean, it's mostly been in the Quebec League, but he's taken these, you know, anonymous uh, line mates and turning them into, you know, league all-stars. Um, and I think that's something he can continue to do. You know, some people think he can play at center and, I, you know, maybe he can, maybe he can't. But he's a sure thing first line guy, and he will make everyone around him better from day one. And um, that's you know that is that a franchise player? I think that's close enough to you know a loose definition of what's a franchise player. So that that's what I think about Lafreniere. The other big one. name that the Hawks fans are sort of keeping an eye on 
because the need at goaltender, whether Corey Crawford's back or not, is Yaroslav Askarov. And from all reports, there's no way he lasts till 17. Is this the kind of guy that you could see the Blackhawks justifying trading up for? Because as I read about him in McKean's hockey, it's kind of hard to get a feel for him. There's been times where he's looked great. And then when the competition goes up a little bit, there's been times where he looks not as great. What do you think of Askarov, and is he worth the Blackhawks giving up some some true pieces to move up and potentially draft him? Well, it depends what pieces, right? Um, you know, where how far do you have to move up to draft Askarov, I guess, is their first question. And it's my, I guess, for everything I'm hearing and everything I'm seeing and, and the way things shake out, I have a good sense he probably goes seventh or eighth. I think, you know, barring trades, um, I could see New Jersey taking him or I can see Minnesota taking him. And if he lasts much longer, um, well, I, I don't see him getting out of the top 10. I guess let's say that. So let's say between seven and 10. So the question is, what do you have to trade to get a pick between seven and 10? And I mean, are you trading your, your obviously you start with your first round pick, number 17, but who else are you trading? Are you trading Ian Mitchell to do that? Are you trading... Um, I don't know. I, 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 I really mentioned, don't know what you have to add to that pick in order to move up seven spots. And, you know, if I'm, I mean, I, I, it depends on the offer. So I can't really answer a question that, that clear, but my general opinion on goalies is they are always a risk. Um, you know, if, if he, if he pans out and he is what we expect him to be, he's a starting goalie for a long time and hooray. Um, but what if he doesn't pan out? You know, if, if a forward does not live up to his expectations, he can still be a valuable player, right? He can still be a second line forward or a third line forward and, and provide value to your team. If a goalie is not your starter, what's the next best option? Your next best option is he becomes Al Montoya. Right. right? Yep. Montoya had a lovely career, you know, and, and, and I'm sure, you know, he's happy looking back on it. And he's a longtime NHLer, but he was drafted fifth overall. And he was a longtime backup. And, you know, is that worth a fifth overall pick? Wouldn't you rather have a guy who, if he's not a first-line forward, he's a second-line forward? Yeah, that seems lower risk to me. And and here, since you since you brought it up, what about, and this is something I've been sort of knocking around in my head, it wouldn't have to necessarily be this exact deal, but how appealing would it be for a team like Minnesota, who picks nine, to take on Dylan Strom's uh, restricted free agency and number 17 to give up that nine pick. Maybe it's not enough. Maybe Brandon Saad gets that done. I don't know, but the Hawks have a lot of guys they have to bring back and no money to do it, and potentially trading up could solve two problems for them in getting the goaltender they think is going to be great, and Mark Kelly uh, from the Blackhawks uh, personnel department seems to think that about Askarov, and it would sort of rid them of having to find money for Dylan Strom. I don't know. I don't know if that's enough for Minnesota or whoever, but Maybe that's a starting point. Uh, if, if I'm Bill Guerin and you're saying take Dylan Strom and take pick 17, I say thank you very much. And I, I close the deal. Wow. Uh, I'm a fan of Strom. I, I think he is still, you know, kind of emerging into what he, he will be uh, long term. I think he's a 50 to 60 point center and could be even more in the right role. Um, but you know, is, is that the best asset management for the Blackhawks? Again, you can like a guy and that's great. And I'm sure there are other guys the Blackhawks like too in the first round. I mean, I'm sure if they had a chance to get Lafreniere, they would, um, that'd be nice, but you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's asset management, right? It, it's, um, is that the best thing for the Hawks to do right now? The Hawks need a goalie 
potentially today, and they need a goalie long term. Like, you know, I mentioned that the Hawks have done a good job of drafting. They have not done a good job of drafting goalies. Um, that is, I, I think, you know, pretty obvious. Um, but is is the solution, you know, using a top 10 pick on a goalie? I don't know if it is, because if you look around the NHL, more than half the goalies in the league, the starters, were not first round picks, right? The goalies are, are more developed than found. So, you know, it, my philosophy in terms of goalies has been draft one every year and eventually some of them will pan out and some of them won't. But barring a very unique circumstance, um, I'm not going to be spending a first round pick on one. I like the way you phrased that, Ryan, because that's exactly how NFL teams should approach quarterbacks. They should try to draft one every year and see how many times it's going to take them to hit the lottery and eventually get a good one. And I think that that is a really good way to approach goaltending. And I do think that you're on the right track by saying that it's always kind of a risky proposition to go out in the draft and to take a guy in the first round. So as we've gotten those questions about Askarov, I have always kind of had that in the back of my head, like, you know, you could probably find a guy later in the draft and it's still going to be a similar development arc just because it does take a while for goaltenders to kind of mature and blossom. And so I, I'm glad that I'm glad that you said that about just kind of the risks involved of that. And I'm not saying that Askarov obviously is going to be a bad player or anything like that, but it was good to like, that was great analysis and kind of a great read on the situation. I think what the Blackhawks, if I were Stan Bowman, and God forbid that ever happens. <laughs> I would prefer the Blackhawks probably to go in more of a forward direction, just kind of based on who I think is going to be, end up being available at the number 17 spot. And the guy that just for me keeps popping up over and over again is Dylan Holloway. Every single video I've seen of this kid He's just using his physicality. He's got great size, which the Blackhawks could obviously afford to use. And I, I do have a little bit of a question about whether or not he has kind of some offensive upside to go with that. But at the same time, like how great would it be for the Blackhawks to get another really solid two-way player that I think could make an NHL impact, not obviously in this coming season, but down the road you know, in the next year or two, to me, he seems like the perfect type of player that you're going to try to target in the middle of the first round. But I would love to hear what your take on Dylan Holloway is. Sure. Um, and before I say that, I, I will just, you know, close the point on Askarov saying if by some chance he is available at 17, then forget everything I said and draft him. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I do think the Hawks will be looking at forwards. Um, you know, the draft is not very deep among defensemen this year. And, and really, there's only two defensemen who would be worth potentially available at that slot anyway. But the Hawks, the biggest strength in the Hawks system is defensemen. So this draft is strong in forwards. And I do think they will end up, assuming they keep their pick or give or take where they are now, uh, will draft a forward. Um, looking specifically at Holloway, he is an option at that time. I think that would be a little bit overdrafting of him. You know, he's um, when he played junior A in, in Canada and in, in Alberta, he was a top, top scorer in a league that, you know, doesn't has a few great players, but is largely not a very not as strong a league as some of the other leagues that players uh, come out of, um, you know, Ian Mitchell notwithstanding. Um, he came to Wisconsin this year as a true freshman and was fine. He has, you know, he's big, like you mentioned. He skates very well. Um, he has good hands. Uh, what I didn't see from him, and I, and I do watch Wisconsin a fair bit, and, and this was also corroborated by some scouts that I know, 
the vision, the creativity is he doesn't show up very much, and it does lead to questions about what is his offensive upside. You know, um, I saw a player who often would, once in a while he'd have a great play, but more often than not, he would kind of run himself into a corner because, you know, he gets up the ice and then he doesn't really, he tries to do it himself. If it doesn't work, the the play is dead, right? He's not creating, you know, you're not getting a lot of second and third chances from that one rush, um, which is something I like to see, you know, he's, he's a little bit tunnel vision sometimes. And now can that change? Could it be a function of, of playing, you know, suddenly he's not the top player in his team. He's playing with Cole Caulfield and Alex Turcotte and a really, really talented Wisconsin Badgers team. And more time will get him, you know, to, to open up his capabilities. Probably, but how much more will it open up is where there's a question. Um, I would consider him at that slot. Yes, he's not my first pick, though. Another forward that seems to have the Blackhawks' attention, actually he absolutely does because Mark Kelly uh, says he's got our attention, is Lucas Reichel. He is the nephew of longtime NHL player Robert Reichel, uh, played with Ice Baron Berlin, which is my favorite German team name. That's awesome. Um, 12 goals, 12 assists in 42 games. What can you tell us about Lucas Reichel, Reichel, a guy the Blackhawks have said has their attention? Lucas Reichel is a very smart hockey player. Um, he's somebody who his tools don't, you know, jump off the page, but when you watch him play, he gets stuff done at a level that, you know, very few people his age can, and, and it, and it works. So he's kind of a guy who, you know, the, um, the whole is greater than the sum of his parts kind of a deal. Um, I like him. We didn't have him ranked as a first round pick, but a lot of the buzz is he will go in the first round and I get it. I get it. I mean, um, you know, I, I try to look for guys who have a bit more pace in their game, but he's not slow by any stretch. He's just sort of a guy who helps make things work. You know, that you don't, he's not the guy who you notice as much, but he's the guy who's there when things that are good for your team happen. I like that phrasing a lot, actually. Makes things happen. That's that's always great to hear. There is another forward uh, that I have been looking at, and every time I watch video of him, all I see is him knifing through defenses with these, and that's Hendricks Lapierre. Really liked what he was able to do in the QMJHL last season. I've seen tournament footage of him and some game footage of him, and it's just it's always apparent to me how quick and how athletic that he is. He's obviously ranked really highly on boards. I'm not sure at all if he is going to fall to the Blackhawks. But in your opinion, is that a guy, if he is there at 17, is that the type of player that you could see uh, the Blackhawks are really any team kind of trying to take a chance on just because of how blatantly obvious those physical gifts are. Yes, absolutely. Uh, LaPierre is a guy I'm really curious where he's going to end up. He's actually one of the, the only player who's, you know, that, that can be playing hockey right now and have his early season games really legitimately impact where he's drafted because of his injury history. You know, if we, if we wind back the clock a year, we're thinking LaPierre is maybe a top 10 pick in this coming draft. Um, you know, he, he had an, an amazing Ivan Olenka tournament. He was just a top, top player in the uh, Quebec uh, junior ranks. Um, and then last year started and he started a little bit slow, like not horrible, but a little slower than expected. And then he had a concussion and then he came back and he had another concussion. And then he basically missed the rest of the season. He was supposed to come back. Right. The thought was that he would be returning um, if COVID didn't end the season early. Uh, but unfortunately, it did. He didn't return. And then 
though to his benefit, uh, reports came out, I believe from The Athletic, that uh, his second injury was not actually a concussion, but it was a neck injury. And if you take that concussion off the table, it suddenly seems maybe he's not that much of a risk. Um, if he's healthy, you know, and I don't have any inside information about his medicals, but if he's healthy, uh, the skill set that you could be getting in that 15 to 20 range with a player like LaPierre is significantly higher than than what you otherwise would expect to be available. So assuming LaPierre is available, and I think is a, you know, 75% likelihood that he is available there, I would be considering him very highly. Wow, that's a name to keep an eye on. Now, another guy who I was actually told today by someone in the organization uh, the team has their eye on, this is a defenseman. Caden Gooley from Prince Albert of the WHL, 11 goals, 29 assists in 64 games. What can you tell us about Caden Gooley? He's another guy who should be available there, and he's a guy who would be good value there. Um, if you're looking at a defenseman, you could do a lot worse. So this this class has, in my opinion, there's two defensemen who are head and shoulders above everybody else, and they will not be available to the Blackhawks. That's uh, Jake Sanderson and Jamie Drysdale. And then you have two defensemen who are legit, you know, uh, uh, first-rounders, like first-round locks. And that's Gooley and uh, and Braden Schneider. They're both out of the WHL. Uh, and they're kind of similar in a way, too. You know, Schneider's the right-hand shot. Gooley's the left-hand shot. They're both kind of big, or, you know, reasonably big. They both skate reasonably well, although Gooley's probably faster. Um, they're both strong defensively. What Gooley has that Schneider doesn't is Gooley is maybe one of the more physically overpowering defensemen in this draft class. Um, he is very strong. He's uh, He hits to hurt, and he does it well. His brother, uh, Brendan, plays in the Anaheim system um, and also a very good skater. So, you know, he's the type of guy who I don't think he's going to be a big factor offensively at the next level. I know he's got nice numbers in the WHL. Um, but he's a guy, I mean, I guess you can compare him in some senses to Regula, who we discussed earlier. Um, just not as I think he's not going to be as much of an offensive presence. He's going to be more of a shutdown type guy. But uh, but yeah, he's definitely valuable and he's definitely good value at that slot in draft, even if it's not the way I would see uh, Chicago going. Speaking of the way that we see Chicago going, we're going to get you out of here in a little bit here. We really appreciate all the insights that you've had for us, Ryan. Unfortunately, it is now my duty to put you on the hot seat. And now you, congratulations, are Stan Bowman. What do you think happens at number 17 in the draft? And who are you taking for on behalf of the Blackhawks at this time? Sure. So here's how I'm thinking this, this uh, problem out. I'm actually, I'm just finishing up a, uh, a mock draft I'm doing for pro hockey talk uh, prior to the draft. So you have your, you know, Lafreniere goes number one, two and three are some order of Stutzla and Byfield in either direction. Then you have a group of about 12 players who should be, you know, all gone by pick 13, right? That tier. If I'm Stan Bowman, I'm, I'm, I'm inquiring about trading up into, say, the 11 to 13 range to see how much it would cost and what I could do. I'm not expecting to be able to get Oscarov with that, but there, that that class of forwards would be a little higher. You know, so if I'm able to get like a Seth Jarvis or a Jack Quinn, uh, maybe even Anton Lundell, I'm looking at that opportunity. But let's assume I don't have that opportunity and all those guys are gone the way I expect them to be. So now I'm looking at a group of, of players who I'm probably narrowing in on forwards, so I'm not really going to look much at Cooley or Braden Schneider, but I'm looking at Dawson Mercer, uh, 
Quebec leaguer, played for Canada at the World Juniors last year, has a very mature, close to NHL-ready game. I'm looking at Connor Zeri, a center in from the WHL who put up really big numbers there. Um, not the fastest player in the world, but he does a lot of things really, really well. Another guy who kind of makes his line mates better. I'm looking at Maverick Bork, uh, who in this mock draft I actually have the Hawks taking. He's uh, another Quebec League player who is just really, really fun. He's got a lot of moves. He's not fast, but he skates well. He's very agile, and he, he's a brilliant puck handler. I'm looking at uh, at Hendricks Lapierre, who we discussed. And so depending who goes and, you know, picks uh, 13, 14, 15, my preference for the Hawks is probably Connor Zary with Maverick Bork second, depending on who's available. I just want and to take Maverick. Lapierre third. Maverick Bork just because of his name. <laughs> that's awesome. It's a fun I, name. Yeah, I mean that. If you're, if th- that's my strategy for drafting is who's got the coolest name. I'll, I'll mention one other name actually. <laughs> sorry, that that I think the Hawks would be considering is Rodion Amarov, a Russian forward who um, plays a really mature game, plays in the KHL, is producing pretty nice numbers for a teenager in the KHL, and um, really, really great skills. I don't like that name. Sorry. I, I I've looked at him a little bit too, and I would probably say he's outside like my top two or three, but he is really good. So Jay, you're gonna have to get over this name thing. <sighs> Fine. <laughs> Ryan, we know we've taken up enough of your time today. We've wasted enough of your time. I know it's a crazy busy time of year for you. Thank you for joining us here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We look forward to it. And uh, once the pick is made, we'd love to have you on again to sort of uh, reevaluate the Hawks draft and tell us. Uh, what they end up with. So thank you so much. You all can follow Ryan on Twitter at R.A. Wagman. And, of course, pick up the McKean's Hockey Guides. Awesome stuff. Ryan, thanks so much for your time. If I could just say all of our subscribers have access to both the Prospect Report, which which details the top 15, and the Draft Guide, and all the full in-depth scouting reports we publish throughout the year. And if if you get, like a, I think, a three-month uh, membership, it'll also include our 2020-21, you know, uh, NHL guidebook. Um, so thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure. And I'd be happy to talk to you guys again after the draft. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. That's going to do it for this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hope you enjoyed our draft preview. James and I will be back early next week with a brand new full length episode. Hopefully we have some news by then on Corey Crawford on something. Boy, the Hawks got to get their asses moving as we discussed earlier this week. Before we go, got to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop frythecoop.com hot chicken it's all the rage it's become a bit of a cliche guess what fry the coop is shattering the cliches and bringing you the best hot chicken you've ever had and i say that as a connoisseur of hot chicken i've tried them all all the nashville staples i've had them fry the coop is as good or better than all of them get the donut fried chicken sandwich just go get some tenders try the mild try the medium try the hot try the little insanity try the 911 go crazy I'm just telling you, whatever level of heat you think you can tolerate, you might want to dial it back a notch because Fry the Coop will sneak up on you and you will be seeing things if you get too hot of chicken. But man, it's awesome. Everyone has tried Fry the Coop has loved it. So go to frythecoop.com, see their locations, place your order online, go pick it up at their pickup window. Easy peasy. You're in and out and you are enjoying the best damn hot chicken you've ever had. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We will talk to you early next week. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop.
Hi, friend. It's your home speaking, and I need some favors. Could you turn on some of the lights in the basement? Um, I'm scared of the dark. Also, this one is easy. Could you bundle your home and car insurance with Geico so we could save money? Last thing, just a suggestion. Could you steam clean the carpets? I need a spa day. Geico. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.